Thank you, Rich. Thank you, everybody. Um, so uh, the first thing we're going to do is hear two Bible stories. And the first one, Titus is going to read. Um, and they're going to come up on screen. Yes. Luke 22, verse 54 to 62. So they arrested Jesus, took him off, and brought him to the high, high priest's house. Peter followed at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter sat in among them. A servant girl saw him sitting by the fire. She stared hard at him. This fellow was with him, she said. Peter denied it. I don't know him, woman, he said. After a little while, another man saw him and said, you're one of them. No, my friend, I am not, Peter replied. After the space of about an hour, another man insisted, it is true, this man was with him. He's a Galilean too. My good fellow, Peter said, I do not know what you're talking about. At all, and at once, while he was still speaking, the cock um, crowed. The master turned and looked at Peter, and Peter called to, to mind the words of master and spoken to him before the cock crows this very day you will deny three me three times and he went outside and wept bitterly thank you Titus and Katie's going to read the other one John 21 verses 9 to 19 when they came to land, they saw a charcoal fire laid there with fish and bread on it. Jesus spoke to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught, he said. So Simon Peter went and pulled the net onto the shore. It was full of large fish, 153 in all. The net wasn't torn, even though there were so many. Come and have breakfast, said Jesus to them. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the master. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so also with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he had risen from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus spoke to Simon Peter. Simon, son of John, he said, do you love me more than these? Yes, master, he said, you know I'm your friend. Well then, he said, feed my lambs. Simon, son of John, said Jesus again for the second time, do you love me? Yes, master, he said, you know I'm your friend. Well then, he said, look after, look after my sheep. Simon, son of John, said Jesus a third time, are you my friend? Jesus, Peter was upset that on this third, third time Jesus asked, are you my friend? Master, he said, you know everything. You know I'm your friend. Well then, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Thank you, Katie. So, morning everybody. Um, what I want to say this morning is, is one thing in a way. Jesus restores hurting and broken people. Thank you, Walter. Um, amen. We, some of us have got cause to be grateful. Um, if you're a regular churchgoer, you will have heard these stories before, I'm sure, and somebody's probably said to you that if you do something wrong, uh, you need to face God and apologize, and he will forgive you. I agree that there is nothing wrong with that message. When I do something wrong, I need to face God, apologize, and receive his forgiveness. 
but there is something so much bigger and more that Jesus was doing with Peter than just leading him to forgiveness. Peter wasn't just guilty, he was broken-hearted, and Jesus was restoring him. Um, and I want to say two things about that. Firstly, Jesus' restoration is holistic. It gathers round the whole person and meets any kind of need. And secondly, Jesus' restoration is tailor-made. It fits the person he's dealing with exactly. So, first of all, Jesus' holistic restoration of Peter, restoring the whole person. And Jesus did forgive Peter. That was part of it. He also fed him, working all night, he needed his breakfast, and Jesus does think of everything. Um, and by the end of this counselling session, um, Peter had his confidence back. And, uh, and he had a job to do again. In his case, it was the job of leading other people. Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. That, that is, I think, the best translation of what Jesus said. Shepherd my sheep. Um, so there was a lot going on there but I think above all Peter ended up freed from something in his background see Peter came from a community a tradition where they were yearning constantly yearning for God to sort out the pagan nations by force if necessary and vindicate the Jews. That was their hope, their yearning. And by the end of all of this, starting with watching Jesus get arrested, you see, Peter was full of this, and that's why he was willing to risk his life. A few hours before he disowned his best friend, he was saying, I'll go to prison, I'll risk my life, and that's because he thought God was about to take the pagan nations in hand and vindicate the Jews. He was willing to risk his life if that was the balloon that was going up. And this process of watching Jesus get arrested, crucified, and then the counselling session on the beach, it freed up Peter from that, that tie to his background. And by the end of it all, he was more interested in shepherding Jesus' sheep than he was in sorting out the pagan nations. So what's in my background? What's in yours? What's the family pattern? What did your parents get wrong? I'd be very interested to meet the person whose parents got nothing wrong. Let's think about it. Secondly, <clears throat> um, Jesus' restoration is tailor-made, lovingly worked out to fit the individual that Jesus is dealing with. 
So in Peter's case, Jesus did something very specific. He brought back the bad memories so that Peter could have peace from the bad memories. Now, I don't know where I first got this idea, where I heard it, so pardon the bad scholarship. Um, But Peter started this counselling session on the beach around a fire. So they would have been talking in the smell of a fire. And smell is a really powerful stimulus for memory. Yeah, I see people nodding. When I used to go camping as a teenager, the first whiff of canvas tents would bring back all my camping memories. Um, So those bad memories would come flooding back for Peter of the other fire on the high priest's patio where everybody was just warming themselves and and looking for news, really, looking for sensation. Um, And those memories would come flooding back of the, the time he disowned his best friend three times over in strong terms. And that was the background when Jesus led Peter to one side and said, now, are you my friend? And Peter got the chance to say three times over, in strong terms, that he was Jesus' friend. Um, And that made peace with those bad memories. And that was how Jesus dealt with Peter's broken heart on that occasion. But Jesus is very, very creative. And you've only got to read the stories about how differently he dealt with different people. Um, There was a man called Zacchaeus. In case you don't know the story, um, he deserved to be hated. And he was hated. He was a a sort of licensed gangster. That was what Zacchaeus was. Um, That was how life was in the Roman Empire. Um, And... only Jesus could see that he might be open to a way out and what Jesus did was he ate with him in front of all his enemies so and the word went all around the town um, that local celebrity preacher healer is eating with Zacchaeus and that turned Zacchaeus's life around That was how Jesus dealt with Peter, uh, with Zacchaeus, sorry. Tailor-made. There was another man, uh, and this is back in the far deeps of time. There was a man called Jabez. (coughs) And uh, Jabez, we can tell, had a dysfunctional family. And his mother was somehow embroiled in the the dysfunction and the pain in his family. And the word that goes all through Jabez's story is pain. There was pain throughout Jabez's family and his life. And he said to God, in effect, he said, I'll know you love me if you give me more land. Now, 
it was an agrarian society, so land was quite an important concept, close to people's hearts. And I think it, it's, it's tailor-made. If I said to God, if you love me, give me a property portfolio, I think uh, God would just say, that's not right for you, Ian. <laughs> Once he'd finished laughing. Um, but it was right for Jabez. Uh, and God did give him uh, land. Um, and the Bible says Jabez was more honourable than his brothers. Because it is an honourable thing to seek God's answer to the hurt and the brokenness inside you. And Jabez was really determined and focused on seeking God's answer. And we can tell this because the Hebrew language has a trick of repeating the verb for emphasis. So Jabez didn't just pray, bless me and enlarge my territory. He said, blessingly bless me and enlarge my territory. And that's a really emphatic way to talk in Hebrew. He really meant it. And in my old age, which is months and months away yet, I would like to see a generation of Christians who are Jabez's, focused on God's and seeking God's answer to the hurting and broken things inside them. And a generation of people who are standing by the Jabez's to help them seek God's answer. That would, that would really bless God. It would bless me as well. And I'm just going to give one example of all this from my own life. My, just one example out of quite a few, I might say. Uh, my grandmother was a fierce control freak. And um, the shadow of that is all across our family, and especially, I think, across the people who don't follow Jesus. And if we could um, go back in time uh, and watch my grandmother grow up, and the background and the family and so on, we would no doubt see why she ended up being such a control freak. And uh, the American writer Floyd McClung, have we got him on screen? Um, uh, says somewhere, forgive your parents. Well, let's add grandparents as well. Forgive your parents and grandparents. They were just kids who grew up and had kids. That's become a powerful thought for me, and I don't, I'm not judgmental about my grandmother. But the fact remains, she was a control freak. You can't get away from that. And when I first um, started to try to follow Jesus like an adult, I had a terrible problem with God and his authority. I mean, that's the theological truth. God is bigger, older, wiser, more loving than me. And the right relationship is that God should have authority. And uh, in one church we were in, people kept saying, submit to God. 
And I could not take this. I, I had no concept that, so, that there could be an authority figure who was also kind. I only knew about control freaks. And every time somebody said, submit to God, and it worked for the people who were saying it, every time somebody said, submit to God, I felt about the same as if they'd said, I'm sorry, you'll have to go to the dentist. It's a really painful thing to hear. And I became a Jabez. I became really focused on getting God's answer to this kind of issue. And on uh, one occasion, I made some time and went away to pray. Uh, some people call that having a retreat. But I'm a man, so it was more of a tactical withdrawal. <laughs> and and uh, someone was praying with me. And he had a little picture in his mind's eye, like Christians sometimes do get. Uh, and he said, I see the word submission crossed out. And written over the top of it, to replace it, is the word partnership. See? Tailor-made healing for Ian. And if God is kind enough to say he'll be my partner, um, then I'll do my stumbling best to let him be the senior partner. And we can both forget about the word submission. So, in conclusion, I have two challenges for you. If you don't follow Jesus, I want you to know that restoring the hurting and broken places inside you is part of his package. And you maybe want to find out more about Jesus' package. And I, I'll talk to you about that gladly. There are a number of people in this room who will talk to you about it. It's part of the package. If you do follow Jesus, be a Jabez. If you know that there's pain and, and brokenness and it holds you back sometimes, be focused on, on finding God's solution to this, finding God's healing for this. And what I would suggest you do this morning is find somebody to pray with and make a commitment out loud that you will find God's way with this. And also, any of us, be willing to stand beside the Jabez's. Be willing to help God with them, to be God's little helper. Help them discern, help them hear from God. And the only little note I would add to that is that I am not talking about an, an instant process and an instant solution. Uh, the Christian writer Adrian Plass uh, has said, beware instant solutions, but don't worry, he'll get you in the end.
So that's my challenge to you. Thank you, everybody.